What's going on, Flix Talkers? Back with another huge movie in the Quentin Tarantino verse, Quentin verse, right? So we're mm-hmm. talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I got to see a Thursday night. Uh, my buddy Elliot, right here from Movie Files, uh, who we did a, a spoiler review with. What was the last one we did? Was it Endgame? It was uh, either yeah, Endgame. It was yeah. Endgame or it, no, no, no. Us. It might have been was- us. Yeah. No, no, in-game, because it came out in April, yeah. Right, right, so right after that. Yep. So, yeah, yep. so we like to dive deep, so make sure you guys, if you haven't seen the movie, go back and watch the spoiler-free review. You just dropped your spoiler-free review, which I, I didn't get a chance to see yet, mm-hmm. but I know you're really, really intricate when it comes to all that stuff, and this was a two-hour, 41-minute movie, as we were talking about before. Were you able yeah. to retain a, a lot of knowledge when you are doing your review? Yeah, because we saw it Tuesday night. We got a little early screening, and I did my review that night. So I just, because I, I, I knew if I would have waited a day or two, I would have forgot some of the more integral parts without spoiling in my non spoiler review. So I did my review immediately after I saw the film. Definitely, definitely. Now, it says this is the ninth, I guess, major um, release from Quentin Tarantino. But if you look at his IMDb, he's had his hands like in a lot of different mm-hmm. things. I was actually watching an interview recently. I think it might have been Jimmy Kimmel. They were talking. They were, you know, Jimmy was joking, you know, why don't you make it the 12th movie, the 13th movie? Just keep going. You know, he wanted to, he wanted right. to stick on board. But he kind of mm-hmm. hinted at kind of dabbling possibly in TV. And, of course, we, we see that he's going to, you know, have a hand in the, in the Star Trek uh, mm-hmm. The next saga, which I'm sure you saw that he was throwing jabs at J.J. Abram, and um, no, I didn't hear. No, what did oh, he you say? Hear that? He he kind of yeah. he kind of made it apparent <laughs> that he didn't like the direction that J.J. took it. Oh, okay. And he said, yeah. it was, I think he said something like it was complete shit. Like he he <sighs> he kind of used those words. Like he he was not he was not liking the way it goes. I mean, we know gotcha. he's like an R-rated guy. So yeah. so we know that this one might be a little more brutal, a little more darker. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's R-rated, you know, so who, right. who knows? But I think he is going to dabble a little more in either co-directing or, you know, get on the James Cameron train and start co-producing, playing the background a lot. And But I don't think right. it's going to be the end for Quentin. I definitely don't think no. it's going to be the end for Quentin at all. And, definitely not. And um, this was one of those movies that, to me, was definitely in that realm of, like, the Jackie Brown, um, mm-hmm. where I always feel like that's, like, a hidden gem where it's like you're not going to get action action packed but right. you, you kind of get little spurts and waves of of cool things that happen but mm-hmm. ultimately it's about the dialogue and the development of characters as Character, always for sure as all his movies do yeah he dives deep into witty uh dialogue interesting characters complex characters and uh, yeah that, i definitely agree with that that this film definitely kind of falls in that uh middle of the pack Jackie Brown uh and some other films that you know don't necessarily have the the action of a Kill Bill or the absurdity of a Inglorious Bastards or the, the, the master crafting of a, a Pulp Fiction of a Reservoir Dogs, but it's definitely in the middle of the pack for me. I really enjoyed this film. Yeah. Yeah, so unlike a, a, a Pulp Fiction where you kind of got multiple layers of stories, I mean, you do get side characters that ultimately at the end, they all kind of just crash together and then they all have yeah. kind of some kind of involvement. <laughs> this one uh, mainly being... The uh, uh, the neighbors of Sharon Tate, Roman Polanski, and uh, um, uh, Dalton, Rick Dalton, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. pretty much Cliff, who who stays there all the time. You kind of, I really like the de- the the development of Cliff uh, Booth, who was mm-hmm. kind of like his right hand man. He was definitely ride or die homie. <laughs> oh yeah, you, we all need a Cliff in our life, right? Yeah, and and, and he didn't have that chip on his shoulder where he knew 
how Leo would, you know, would act and stuff. And he would have been working yeah. with him for nine years and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, he never complained about it. That's one thing right. that I was like, man, that's a rare trait that you see. He kind of knew that he was getting paid for one job and one job only to be kind mm-hmm. of his right-hand man. Not only a stunt man, but just kind of handle everything for him. I mean. Yeah, his driver, his housekeeper, <laughs> all of the above. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And um, I thought it was beautiful just kind of jumping directly towards the end where mm-hmm. even when we find out that. I guess it's, uh, you know, he had done the Italian movies and whatnot. He ended up, uh, uh, Leo's character ended up doing all the Italian movies. What was it? Like four movies back yep. to back, something like that. Three, three or four movies back to back. And yep. he comes back with his Italian wife and he lets, uh, uh Brad Pitt's character know, you know what? I'm, I don't, I'm not going to need you anymore, basically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it kind of becomes like a bittersweet, like, you know, letting go type of thing, but he's still yeah. cool with that. And he's still right. cool with that. And then they have that drunken night, you know, he, they go out yeah. to play the glory. And then we get the narration from Kurt Russell. And it, it was just really, really cool. You know, and it, it was awesome to see him fold. Yeah, no, I love that moment. Cause again, like you said, Brad Pitt's character, which by the way, was my favorite character in the entire movie. It was, you know, Leo's movie per se, but I think I walk on the film. I thought Brad Pitt stole the film. Uh, and I mean, I just love uh, Cliff's character. And like you said, he was just so nonchalant, just kind of at that point in his life where he kind of is accepting where he is. And obviously we see the opposite of Leo where he's just trying to continue to search for, you know, his spot in Hollywood and transitioning the film. But yeah, that, uh, it was a film about friendship. And then I think that was, you know, one of the big themes of the story is just kind of with all the ups and downs of Cliff's career or, uh, 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 Rick's career that Cliff is right there along for the ride. And was yeah. like you said, a ride or die friend, man, which is a great film of friendship, which we don't yeah. get nowadays. So, yeah. 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 And it's, it's really cool to see, um, I guess the focus more on the, 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 the stunts, the, um, the actual people behind the stunts, Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's, that's something that, that a lot of movies don't talk about. I mean, of course, At you all. know, with his, yeah. with, uh, with Death Proof and we got that cameo from, from Kurt Russell in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, that mm-hmm. one was pretty much about a stuntman who lived that, yeah. like, his day to day life. But this Stuntman one, Mike. Stuntman Mike. And I, and I yeah. really hope there was a correlation between Stuntman Mike and the Kurt Russell character. I, yeah. I don't, I don't think there was. I mean, I think it was kind of no. like a nod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, even their interaction was was interesting, and that kind of jumps to um, the clip that I saw online, which there's not a lot of actual scenes online. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of the studios like to release yeah. full minute, you know, two minute scenes and whatnot. I could only find maybe I think one, mm-hmm. um, other than the previews and stuff. But uh, there was that Kurt Russell interaction with uh, with Brad Pitt's character, and that mm-hmm. kind of leads to to a question that wasn't answered in the movie was Brett. Did Brad Pitt murder his wife? That is a very interesting question. That was something that Morgan and I talked about on our ride home from seeing the film, mm-hmm. which, you know, Quentin Tarantino does that in the film. I'm thinking of Pulp, Pulp Fiction where we never know what's in the case throughout the whole right. film. He kind of leaves those little little uh, uh, breadcrumbs or unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. But for me, if he did kill his wife, that kind of makes me kind of uh, kind of go back on this character being my favorite character because he, he might be a murderer. He might have killed he his might. wife. Uh, or it might have been an accident where, you know, they were clearly on the boat. They might have bumped in a rock and he might have shot her in the stomach. But who knows? Right, but he, right. I love that he kind of leaves that open yeah. and never really answers that, which Quentin Tarantino does a great job of kind of make us wonder what, you know, what do we think about these characters uh, and their true intentions? Yeah, especially that balancing in that scene where it, you get a lot of flashback kind of cuts back and forth, you know, narration overlaps and, and, and different things. But mm-hmm. um, the scene where, where they're referring to is, uh, you know, Brad Pitt on, on the boat and he positions the spear gun 
mm-hmm. perfectly to where it kind of yep. and they cut so you don't know what happens. Yeah. But you see Brad Pitt's character as someone that's that wouldn't do that. So mm-hmm. you don't really necessarily know what to think. And then you right. you even get a, another another mention of it when he's about to fire Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, hey, killer. yeah, yeah, he goes, hey, you know, this guy killed his wife and got away with it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was such a great scene too, the Bruce Lee yeah. uh, uh, impersonation, I guess you can call it. But yeah, I really love that scene too. Yeah, <clears throat> yes, and, yeah, and, and jumping just to that scene, what did you think of the um, of the portrayal of Bruce Lee? Because I did uh, see a couple of reviews on that where people, um, you know, in particular the Asian community felt. Yeah, and it was a bit stereotypical, but yep. someone that grew up on—I don't know if you did or not—but I grew up on a lot of Bruce Lee films, so of course I mm-hmm. watched a lot of the the interviews and him kind of jumping, you know, from uh, China to to um, to uh, Hollywood. Yeah. In, the, in those days, uh, I was even talking to my dad about this earlier because he's a huge Bruce Lee fan. He mm-hmm. felt that later in his life, uh, when he was getting Hollywood, he he was very eloquent with him speaking. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the interviews and stuff were very spot on to this character. I I, mm-hmm. I mentioned I, I noticed it more in the speech other than the look when he took off the glasses. Okay, it didn't look like Bruce Lee, but right, he definitely right. had the mannerisms. And mm-hmm. I don't know if your theater was doing this, but you know when he was doing the wah, you know, back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, my theater was laughing, but I knew that was a, that was something he would do. Right, you right. Know what I, I mean. I've read and seen a lot of the same interviews you're talking about that some people were kind of offended by it. And I can totally understand that, especially Bruce Lee is such a icon for a lot of people and people grew up with him. Uh, but I'm kind of on both sides. I can see where Tarantino again, knowing that the title is called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, so right. you know, kind of fantasy world that he created. Um, but at the same time, I, some people I think took offense to, you know, kind of his mannerisms and maybe saying he's stereotyping a particular uh, community. Uh, but as, as the scene goes in the movie, that was a hell of a scene. I mean, we see it kind of created, number one, it kind of put the path for Brad Pitt's character for the end that we see he's a badass and he can handle his own if he's going toe to toe with Bruce Lee. Right. So it kind of sets up that ending there. Uh, but also, like I said, I think it was just a, another nod just to uh, an homage that Quentin Tarantino did in this film where he's, you know, just paying respects for these cool little cameos and, and Bruce Lee obviously being a integral part of particular Hollywood and him being a stuntman on uh, the Green Hornet and obviously we saw his career you know kind of exactly. blossom from that but I, I really enjoyed the scene but I can definitely see how people can maybe take some offense to someone that they cherish and grew up with and right. maybe thought he kind of stereotype you know stereotype that particular character yeah now speaking on on uh, on on the stereotypes and offending certain people uh, mm-hmm. like most Quinn movies we get a lot of use of the n-word and, yeah, uh, not not one. We, not didn't get, we did not get one. Not I was actually, one, yeah. I was actually surprised to not see a Samuel <laughs> L. Jackson cameo pop up. That's, I wanted to say that so bad in my review, but I didn't want to touch on which characters did. It right. did not come up, but that was something I was expecting a cameo from uh, you know one of his most recurring uh, characters that we see pop in some the majority of his film actually, except mm. for a couple. But yeah, with no no Sam Jackson, but uh, I'm sure yeah. he'll make if, if the tenth film is his final film. I'm pretty sure we'll get some type of uh, Sam Jackson cameo, even if it is a Kill Bill. He makes a role for him, but right, uh, right. I, yeah, I was surprised that we didn't see Sam Jackson make an appearance some way somehow. Yeah. So even though we didn't get that, um, there was a few slurs here and there, and and I want to I want to know your your thoughts on this because I'm someone that that has always felt, especially for the timepiece, that if you don't include the authentic way people spoke back then, it kind mm-hmm. of diminishes, uh, it kind of brings you out a little bit. 
So yeah. uh, there was uh, uh, I noticed that um, Leonardo uh, when he was filming that scene uh, where he had the child on his lap, he mm-hmm. does uh, he does make a, a Mexican slur, a racial slur, and then also um, when they're talking about um, the Native Americans, they say um, something about the. Um, there's a movie that's I guess referred to. It's a fictional movie called mm-hmm. like Red Blood. Something like yeah. that. It's like uh, yeah, you know, yeah. red blood, red skin, or something, or like the only yeah. good Indian is a dead Indian. Yeah. So yeah. Um, they do talk about that, and I feel like um, you know uh, his character, um, Dalton's character. Uh, he he mentions that he's from Missouri, so you mm-hmm. got kind of those deep roots around yeah. that time, and it kind yep. of it kind of shines through in his acting. So I feel mm-hmm. like if they were to cut those scenes just because people would get offended, it would kind of yep. lose authenticity in 1969. I don't know. That, that just might be me. No, I'm totally in the same boat with you. I mean, it shows President in his films. You think of Inglorious Bastards. I mean, there's a Jewish, you know, Nazis. I mean, he doesn't shy away from that whole event that's going on, even though it's fictitious to the events that took place at the end of the film, Unglorious Bastards. Right. You think of Django Unchained. They did mm. not hold back. I think it holds the record for the most N-words ever in the movie. Right. Uh, some people got really offended by it, but some people was like, eh, that's the times, you know, how mm. is he not, how is he going to have a movie about slavery and not mention the words of how, exactly. you know, white people would throw that word around. So I think it's to- totally like you said, it's authentic to the times. Mm. Uh, he's not saying it's a good thing. He's not saying that we should still use those verbs you know those words now he just said this was the time that we were in so i totally agree with you it's just authentic to the timeline yeah especially like uh directors like spike lee i think he's one of the biggest ones that that brought it up that uh, mm-hmm. about the use of the n-word and not liking yeah, and the django yeah, yeah not liking quinn's uh you know, portrayal <laughs> in, in django um but once again uh we have to know where we came from to under mm-hmm. you know to just kind of move forward because yeah if you see that you just think wow like we've we have you know, evolve brain wise a yeah. little, a little further. I mean, at least most of us have, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, it, and, and yeah. it's, I think once again, you have to keep, incl- you have to keep, especially if it's a timepiece, you got to keep it real to that, to that mm-hmm. subject material. And there should be no, uh, backlash, but, uh, you know, behind that. And, yeah. uh, and another thing that had been talked about, which I, you know, mm-hmm. that I, that I'd seen on the panel, I believe it might have been at Cannes was, mm-hmm. um, the whole Margot Robbie thing. Mm. That they were saying that she was underutilized. I even saw that in a recent uh, yeah. review on Collider saying that Margot Robbie was underutilized. But I felt like her character was meant to be a side character. Mm. You know, even though even though, you know, Sharon Tate, Tate's death was a huge part of that era, especially them being on C- uh, Cielo Drive. Um, yep. All of that makes sense. But I think that this was all building for her redemption at the end. You know, so we can cheer for what happens, you know, ultimately in the end. So um, what did you think about Margot Robbie in the film? So actually in my spoiler, uh, spoiler free review, I brought that up. I was kind of on that fence and I felt like I wanted to explore more of the character. And I thought, you know, so kind of backtrack. I know when the announcement came out that he was making this film and who was going to be involved, Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate and Charles Manson, everyone their ears perked up and people got a lot, you know, really nervous. I believe it's the 50th or close to the 50th anniversary or when those events took place. But, um, I really was thinking that, okay, if they're going to bring her in the movie, it can go one of two ways. He's either going to show those events and, and maybe twist it on his head like he did in Glorious Bastards and pull. I don't know. I was just envisioning in my head that Bruce Lee was going to maybe fight uh, Charles Manson and Cliff <laughs> were going to team up and they were going to kill all the uh, you know the Manson family, which didn't play out that way. Yeah. But I, at the same time, I was just I almost felt like and I love Margot Robbie. I think she's a great actress. I think she's a great 
person in Hollywood and she's building her own path. But I almost feel like she almost didn't even have to be in the film mm. uh, to a certain extent. Again, I know the time era that we're in, but again, it was a fictitious timeline. So I don't even know why we had to incorporate that particular storyline right. because at the end, it does have a somewhat of a playoff. Like what if Margot Robbie or uh, Sharon Tate would have survived, had her kid? They didn't, they didn't even really play out that scene. But, you know, I, I'm kind of torn because, again, I love Margot Robbie. I thought she was great in the role, mm. but I felt like there wasn't really that much meat to what she was integral to the storyline other than, you know, uh, Rick Dalton wanted to, you know, meet her and, and obviously maybe use uh, her friend, you know, potential friendship as him getting more into movies. But right. I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about it. I really thought that she, she really didn't have that much to do or explore different avenues of this character. I totally agree. Um, yeah. and that's one thing that I didn't mention really. I just said that I felt like her role was enough. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else would have been taken away. We would have been focusing on way too many characters. And this movie has way too many characters as it is. It I mean, almost does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You have a lot of castmates, and we'll we'll go over that in a second. But yeah. for the majority of the movie, the large chunk, you just see share. You just see Sharon Tate in the movie theater. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, like that, as half all of her, yeah, half yeah, of her scenes were in the theater. Yeah, as these events are unfolding, she's still in that movie theater, and then she finally gets out when everything, yeah. all the shit goes down at you know at the ranch with the Manson mm-hmm. family, and a lot of you know a lot of this is pretty much a span of one day of Rick Dalton just kind of trying to revitalize his career back by um you know ultimately that that improv scene where he's yelling at himself in the mirror in, in his trailer which was an awesome scene if he doesn't win phenomenal scene yeah if he doesn't win some Love type of scene. role for uh, uh award for this role man yeah. i'm be so pissed dude they're they're, yeah. they're jacking him on that but um yeah <laughs> I, I i can see where you're coming from with uh where her her part wasn't really needed other than the ending of the redemption and you know he wanted to, he wanted to do i think quentin wanted to just uh to give her death a little more meaning you know sure. what i mean the, the, the whole yeah. redemption factor if he wasn't going to go the actual death he had to kind of you know do a revenge factor type of thing or, or a different twist on it you know right and, right and uh, i mean more or less too i mean he didn't tarnish her 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 uh, legacy you know it, it portrayed her as someone that a lot of people said during her during her times on you know in hollywood that she was just a, a rising star and she was just such a a great person and, and things of that nature so we didn't see that blossom in her career obviously but yeah. also too um on the flip side as far as negativity in regards to using her character it was more of a, a almost like a plot device because we obviously knew her being the next door neighbor to Clifton and we, you know, and obviously how that final scene played out again, it, it, you can think there's so many different ways to think of how her, her character was portrayed. But yeah. again, at the end of the day, I think Quentin handled it as, as best as he could. And, and in someone else's hands, they wanted Meta use that as a way of showing, you know, the, the brutality of her murders. And I know, like, I don't know if you watch American horror story, but a couple seasons ago, they really did a very bad job of portraying what happened to Ter- uh, Shannon uh, that night and everything. So mm. it was tough to kind of handle it. So I-, I applaud him for, you know, doing it and doing it as, as a, as a, you know, a filmmaker, but you know, it's, it's a toughie, it's a right. tough you know situation, but yeah. Right. So along with our main characters, um, I talked about some of our side characters. So someone that really wasn't uh, pushed as much. We got to see, uh, I totally forget her name. I'm sure, you know, uh, from stranger things, season three, the one that works at the, uh, Oh, uh, um, uh, Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's daughter. Yes. Um, it's, uh, she was, is, yeah. it, is it May Hawk? Uh, yeah, look it up now. I, I forget the first name, but yeah, uh, their daughter and, and also, um, Emil Hirsch. 
Emil Hirsch, seeing him in there was was really cool because I've always liked that yeah. guy. I felt like uh, it was cool for them to actually explain. And that's another thing, too. I feel like if you didn't know the history between the Manson murders, you didn't mm-hmm. really know what was going on. You didn't really know yeah. why this was happening. You didn't know yep. too much backstory. You didn't. I mean, of course, we got a lot of narration, especially at the Playboy Mansion with Emil Hirsch and Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate's mm-hmm. character and their whole mm-hmm. pretty much it was like a love triangle. Oh, yeah. what was going yeah. on and i feel like mm-hmm. if we didn't get that narration people for the most part wouldn't know what was right happening over their head. yeah go right over right their head. head exactly so yeah. but it was good seeing them it was good seeing her uh now was she the character because like i said there was a lot of times they didn't use a lot of makeup on these girls was she mm-hmm. the one that took off with the vehicle at the end yeah and her name is maya hawk uh maya, maya hawk is her name right. yeah yeah she was the one that drove off which again they played into if i'm not mistaken Okay. Uh, I believe one of the Manson members did leave the scene and fled the scene and, um, yeah. as far as the true events that did take place that night. But yeah, Maya Hawk, she was the one that drove away uh, from uh, what was named Tex and, and the other Jackson. two girls that went with them. So, yeah, which was yeah. another great character. The guy that played Tex. I don't know his his actual name, um, but I did see that he's going to be playing the young Elvis Presley in the next biopic. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, the uh, Lance. Uh, yep, yeah, yeah, his next film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I thought he was great in this movie. Yeah. So it was good seeing the young, fresh faces all involved with mm-hmm. pretty much older, seasoned uh, Hollywood. And yeah. um, another character was uh, James Martin's character. He was supposed to play a young Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about that? And uh, and I guess his scene was cut. His was one of yeah, the scenes. Yeah, I remember was cut. seeing him on the cast when when they were announcing all the people. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was one of the people that didn't get a. Which again, a two hour and forty plus minute movie has <laughs> definitely got to be cuts made. But yeah, uh, yeah I was, I was yeah. looking forward to seeing him play portray. Yeah, there was uh, those those a lot of Hollywood they wanted to focus on. Um, also, in the end credits, I don't know if you saw, they had Tim Roth, but in parentheses it says cut. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, another major player in the Quinn verse that was cut. I, I want to know. Yeah. If there's going to be something included in the in the Blu-ray that, that oh, yeah. has yeah, you yeah. Know, reasons for all of this stuff, because we need Director's to know why. cut, yeah. final cut, deleted scenes. That's it's going to be a hot Blu-ray, and I'm definitely going to pick it up. I can mm-hmm. definitely see him including those uh, extended version of this film for sure. Right, right. So uh, another thing I wrote down was that Quentin Tarantino's foot fetish is back. <laughs> so yeah, we got to see a lot of car. we got to see it a lot of yeah the girl in the car yeah. that he picked up the hippie and yep. um margot robbie in the movie theater the movie theater yep. yeah putting yep. putting her feet up so he hasn't he hasn't let his foot fetish stray yeah it at continues all. the legacy continues of the feet yep yeah so uh uh the manson family the, the whole yep. scene of the manson uh, <clears throat> chunk what did you feel about that because um i don't know how accurate was that was that accurate about them actually living on the ranch that part and that's the beauty of, of a film like this you kind of you know do your research and kind of find out what part was true what part was that. i haven't mm-hmm. found uh that particular information yet uh yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if it has some type of you know he stretched uh you know that storyline a little bit just to kind of add it to the to the script but I, i'll have to look it up i'm not really too sure if that's where their uh headquarters or whatever you are their lair was yeah. uh that, that they lived on Okay, and that and that was something that I also talked about in my spoiler-free review. <laughs> Talking about an unnecessary scenes, I felt like that scene stretched on a bit with Brad Pitt and uh, is it Bruce Dern, the older man? Yeah. Um, I felt like that was a bit unnecessary. I understand why he was doing it to see if mm. they were lying or not. And Dakota Fanning, 
blew me away, by the way. I, oh, yeah, I, unrecognizable I, for a lot of people. I, I knew her right off the bat because I've been a big fan of hers for a while. Um, but Morgan knew who it was. And I'm like, oh, wow. But, yeah, I, yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah, that it, it almost reminded me of uh, Charlie Theron and Monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, so she 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 stretched her acting ability a bit, and mm-hmm. uh, and definitely played someone that was, uh, I guess, the mama bear. You know, the leader of yep. of, of the of the cult. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, at least you know, holding it down on the, on the female end. Right. But um, yeah, I felt I felt like that scene could have been cut. It was it was it, it started to become less and less suspenseful as they actually showed him and mm-hmm. I, and I felt like uh this it, it was kind of building up to something with maybe I thought she might have wanted to pull a shotgun out on Brad Pitt or right. we might have lost him early in the movie or what but I just felt like that was a little unnecessary but um you know once he's walking up to the ranch and you kind of just see him all the girls hanging out it got a bit creepy mm-hmm. you know and um and yeah, but I but I actually like the whole inter- uh, showing them digging dumpster diving cuz they really really used to do that yeah, they really used yeah. to do all that and hitchhike and 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 they were basically walking through all the rich parts of the neighborhood. The the you yep. know um, just it was pretty much like <coughs> scouting out their next heist. Yep, which they really yep. did. So I thought all that was really cool to see going on, and it was almost like nobody noticed it. <laughs> nobody, yeah, they would That's pass right by them. Yeah, they would pass right by them and didn't notice it. Yeah, actually, I I really enjoyed that rant. I know it kind of I know what you're kind of talking about kind of long at the two that times, and it was ultimately to set up kind of a big reveal and kind of a joke at the end that you know we're we're thinking, oh man, it's going to get dark now, but it was kind of yeah. you know we saw that the character was still alive, but uh, I think it was more or less just kind of introduced the whole idea of the cult and introduced Tex and and kind of mm-hmm. you know the beef that they would have had at the end when they saw each other and they recognized each other, mm-hmm. so. But again, yeah. this is one of those Quentin Tarantino's films where you think he's going one way, but he kind of misdirects things and, and you know, kind of ends up being a, a muse for the comic relief of that particular uh, moment in the movie. Definitely. Now, I know Willie wasn't the main focal point of the advertising of this movie, but mm-hmm. Charles Manson, you see him in the trailer, you yeah. only get a few minutes with Charles. A few minutes? That was more like 30 <laughs> seconds, right? Well, where he's walking up and, and he, he's talking to Emil Hirsch and, and, yeah. and Sharon Tate sees him out of the corner, yeah. you know, just says, hey, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was a very, very small and I felt deceptive tactic. Um, I understand, once again, it would have been over a yep. three-hour movie. But um, what do you <laughs> yeah. think of the lack of Charles Manson's movie? Again, I think, and this is one of the few times that I think uh, Quinn might have had restraints and kind of holding himself back. Because, again, we, we know that what he did with Hitler and Glorious Bastards, mm-hmm. he held no things back, I believe. He shot him a thousand times in Inglorious Bastards, and, and and obviously what he did at the end, you know how they handled the slaves getting out of the, the you know uh, Django and everything. He doesn't hold back. He when he has you know someone has done some violent things, he does not hold back. So I was very surprised that he didn't have more scenes with Charles Manson. And again, my initial thought was that the final scene might have played out that would have Charles Manson was actually the one that went with his cult and tried to you know. And again, the whole the true story of it, you know, they weren't going after. Sharon Tate. They thought there was an old associate of his that, that lived in the house and they obviously had moved out. So I thought that they were going to maybe have him wrap her back around and we were going to get a Charles Manson being taken out by Bruce Lee, but obviously that didn't play out. But I was very surprised that he didn't include Charles more in the story. But again, mm-hmm. I think the whole thing of that whole thing is very touchy. It's a very tragic incident that happened many years ago, but I think that he uh, could have included more, but I, I don't blame him if he didn't want to incorporate more of that, you know, one of the most disgusting human beings right. uh, that ever walked the earth. So, 
yeah. it's really it's interesting. And that that was another thing too. I mean, um, other than well, unlike Inglorious Bastards and Django, we're talking about yeah. people that that have perished and, and died. So him killing them off, they they weren't alive at the time. I believe did Charles Manson die last year or was it two years ago? Um. Might have to look it up. I believe it was a couple years ago. Yeah, because I know because I want to. I want to say that this might have been after he had died that they were started mm-hmm. filming this. So I mean, I don't know if he was alive during the filming of this because that might have changed his perception a little bit. Like uh, yeah, November nineteen twenty seventeen is when he passed away. Or okay, when so they was, so there was killed him. Yeah, okay, and which so. makes perfect sense that he was probably writing the script. Pre production right. was going on. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And my girlfriend had made a good point too. Is that um, I believe some of the Manson family girls are out and most of them are still alive um yep. Yep. so that's another thing too is i, I would wonder i mean i i, I, don't, I you know i wouldn't want to dig deep but i wonder mm-hmm. what their take on this movie and their portrayal in the movie especially the girl that gets torched at the end brother oh yeah i mean you can look at it one or two ways i know um i was watching a collider review as well i know they had mentioned um i can't remember who brought it up but some people feel like quentin Tarantino handles his female characters kind of violently as far mm. as how they either die or how they're portrayed sometimes and they felt like the text character went out within seconds but the two girls went out very violently and i know some yeah. people have kind of they, they keep an eye on that on quentin Tarantino film how he handles female characters but yeah. i looked at it as like they were just hard to take out they were you know i don't want to say strong women they were psychopaths but they yeah. were they were rough they were they didn't go out as easily as tex did i mean with brad pitt bashing the girl's face mm-hmm. in the in the uh fire uh um, fireplace and obviously the torching which was a great payoff for that one yeah. scene with leo's character but um no, it was it was interesting how they how they perceived how quentin tarantino portrayed them on the screen i mean i i yeah. Very violent. Yeah. I I, ve- I really enjoyed that scene very much because mm-hmm. once again it's all leading up to if you already know how these murders played out in real life, it's yeah. that much more satisfying that you want to see these characters even though they were real characters in life mm-hmm. kind of get their paid dues, you know? Like mm-hmm. they, they got what was coming to them in the most violent way whether yeah. it was females or not. I don't look at right. it like that. I mean, if they right. were two if they were three men total, I yep. would have still been cheering like kill these suckers you know what i mean like yeah, yeah, yeah. in the most brutal way possible and mm-hmm. um i did see that collider thing too and i was yeah. that, that's one thing that i didn't like that they brought up is that of course they're trying to but he's done this and he's had it flip side i mean with death proof where they murdered the shit out of uh kurt russell at kurt the end russell of the movie so it's like hitler and yeah. yeah hitler once again and it's he has this brutality factor where he every time he's interviewed about it he goes look this is a movie. We leave it on mm-hmm. screen. I'm not really mm-hmm. talking about like I have a fetish for killing women. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So it's um, mm-hmm. I think that really needs to get thrown out of the window. And it's kind of a dead horse they keep beating. Mm-hmm. But let's just jump right to the so we don't make it too long. Let's just jump right to that final, I guess, ending scene. Ooh. Unless you wanted to talk about something else before we get to that. No, I mean, that that third act was everything. I, and I think it. For some people that might not be the biggest Quentin Tarantino fan or just a fan of film, it's either going to make or break their experience in the film. For me, I knew what I was getting into, seen all his films, own all his films. So I was just waiting for that third act to explode. And, and for me, it delivered in, in the best way possible. Yeah. It went off the rails for the best way possible in my eyes. I love that final third act. Yeah. Yeah. So scene, um, so pretty much started off with, uh, 
with them coming home drunk, celebrating, mm-hmm. kind of like uh, them returning from, I believe it was Italy. Yep. And uh, and Brad Pitt smoking that acid laced the acid laced cigarette, yeah. Which I thought we could have got like a psychedelic scene, possibly. You know, right. w- once he started kind of waving his hand and tripping out a bit. But mm-hmm. this was someone that was so focused that even on an acid trip, <laughs> he the could most, do so much damage. Yeah, it was a trip. Exactly. It was a real trip. You know, no pun intended. But mm-hmm. you know, he had that dog. You know, his pit bull uh, on oh, on lock on contr- under I control. Best dog awards. I don't know if it yes. goes to John Wake's dog or if it goes to this dog <laughs> yep. here. That dog, Brody, I think his name was, if I'm not mistaken. That dog so. eats, you know. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so once all that went down, I was yep. very satisfied. <clears throat> I felt that, uh, uh, and that was another cameo too, which was the Italian wife of, uh, L- is it Lorenzo, uh, Lorenza Izzo? Uh, it's, it's Eli Roth's wife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, from Knock Knock, and she was also mm-hmm. in Green Inferno, which I really liked. I feel like she's always an actress that kind of gets thrown in these horror movie roles because that's yeah, all she kind of kind of a yeah. scream queen, you know, a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, but I really like her, and it was kind of cool seeing her on scene. I thought she was going to get stabbed, is what I thought, because they were kind mm-hmm. of waiting a little bit too long. But, yeah. But as we kind of that whole waiting game, you started seeing in your mind, okay, they're a cult, but they're not really quick on the draw with the hardcoreness, like killer right. vibe. Right. You could mm-hmm. see in Tex's eyes that if he really wanted to shoot him, he would just would have done he it. Shot him. He exactly. just would have done it. And yep. I think Brad Pitt saw that <laughs> right away the weakness in his eyes and he's like, yep. I'm just gonna go for it. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just take them all out. And he got on his John right. Wick shit, take took them all out. I love the kills. Um I forget the actress's name. I think her name is I, I had it written down. It's like um is it Mika or uh um, oh, Mikey Madison, Madison, the one that gets torched up. Torch, yeah, oh yeah, she was. She yeah. got it pretty brutal with the dog uh, right yeah. through the window, and then torched, you know, <laughs> eventually. Um, yeah. yeah, that was that was a really really crazy scene, and then the involvement with Leo, you know, mm-hmm. torching him at the end. Yeah, our whole theater was standing up clapping, man. Yep, you yep, know, same once, here. I think every theater that. reaction is if, if uh, reacted the same way like our theaters did which is just yeah. a, a round of applause and just shocked and happy and entertained at that moment yeah. because, uh, it's just a great yeah because up because up until then we didn't get the whole uh slapsticky just bizarre ending throughout that mm-hmm. movie so that was just kind of like a a so shocking you got a laugh type of thing you know yep over yep. the top but that but that was our inglorious bastards ending it know? was and it was, and i was yeah. very very satisfied so <clears throat> Ultimately, you know, we get to see Leonardo DiCaprio kind of for the foreshadowing in the beginning, you know, him talking about hopefully I'll get, you know, invited to one of their parties one day. And then Mm -hmm. he gets to talk to Sharon Tate, you know, and then and then meet her. He walked through the gates. I thought that was really cool. Kind of the gates opening slowly. It was almost like the entering heaven for him because it was the pearly gates. Yeah, it would have been if we would have got, you know. A sequel to this, we would have got to see that he probably would have worked with Roman Polanski and just mm-hmm. revitalize. And really his, blow up, yeah, yeah, blow up because mm-hmm. um, you know uh, Quinn had said in an interview, a lot of the times the TV stars would try to transition to movies, and it was tough for them. Was, wasn't it was, it was looked down upon? It was, we, which is so crazy now. The dynamic of TV and movies, where these movie stars are mm-hmm. wanting to be in TV shows, yeah. and these TV show stars, like, no, I'll stay on my series and, mm-hmm. and really don't want to go into these, you know, these films unless it's a Marvel film or exactly. DC or Star Wars. So it's crazy how the the places have changed. Yeah, the parallels are still are still there for the <laughs> most part. So. Um, that being said, I did not see your your, your spoiler free review yet. What did you give uh, 
Once Upon a Time. I gave it was almost a, a masterpiece for me in my eyes. I gave it like a four point eight out of five. Again, my negatives were the Sharon Tate and Margot Robbie's kind of lack of uh, dive into the character. I did feel like there were moments that some scenes could have been slimmed down, uh, yeah. as far as like the the behind the scenes of them making the movies and some of the characters, the outside characters. Like normally, what I love about Quentin Tarantino films is even though a, a character might have a scene or two, they're integral to the storyline. I just feel like it was almost too many cameos and it took away from the, like building the world that they were establishing. But outside of that, the the chemistry with Brad Pitt and Leo were great. I love the subtlety in Leo's performance with his stutter, how he only kind of stuttered when he was nervous. That's another thing that I didn't, I didn't even touch on, but yeah. I noticed it throughout the whole movie. I'm sure a lot of people did too. Yeah. Uh, what was with the stutter? I mean, I know that's, that's him being very unsure about himself, mm-hmm. but it was never something that was explained through the movie. Which I actually love. Again, that's a thing yeah. of Quentin Tarantino. It's just a character trait. It's just uh, yeah. a little twitch or a little, you know, something about the personality. But I thought their chemistry was great. And again, we all know going to a Quentin Tarantino film, it's going to look good. The soundtrack's going to be awesome. Like you said earlier, he's going to be authentic to whatever timeline, whatever story he's telling. So mm. uh, it, it was a it was a really enjoyable film. It was one of our most anticipated of the year, and it, and it lived up to my expectations uh, without sure. a doubt. Did you now? Did you get those um, those Django vibes when uh, when he was doing the scene with uh, Timothy uh, Oliphant when they were filming that movie? Did you get that 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 little hint of uh, what was it, Mr. Candy from uh, Django? Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, his, <laughs> I lo- and also that one scene with that little girl, which I can't remember her name. She is mm. someone to keep an eye out for because I thought that was a great scene when yeah. you know. They were talking on the books, and then when she told him she was the great, that was the greatest acting she's ever seen. I love that. <laughs> and and I, and I was reading an article too that Quentin, which again he's kind of all over the place, like oh I'll do Star, you know I'll do Star Trek, I'll do Kill Bill three, and then I'll retire. But I heard that he's thinking about when you mentioned doing TV mm. that he wrote like three episodes for the show that Leo was on. And he might want to bring that show to a streaming service and do like seven or eight episodes of that Bounty Hunter show because he actually no wrote way. three. Yeah, he wrote three episodes just to have it, you know, make it feel authentic and feel I, like it was real in the world. And he I wants to hear. actually maybe do that. Yeah, I, I did. He- I did hear behind the scenes that that they actually had full episodes of mm-hmm. that, but I didn't know if they yep. were going to be included in like in a Blu-ray or or where they were going to go. But damn, that would be awesome yeah. if that really does happen. Yeah, I mean, again, he's just – we're never going to see him not do something, have his oh, hand in TV sure. or movies. But that would be interesting if he does make that into a you know seven, eight-part uh, Netflix or Hulu or whatever type of series, uh, yeah. you know, five or six years down the road, which I doubt Leo will come and do that role again. But we uh-huh. can obviously spin off to some other characters. But yeah. no, I thought, yeah, I really enjoyed this film. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, think, I think once he's all settled in because he did uh, on Jimmy Kimmel a couple days ago say mm-hmm. that, you know what? I'm I'm newly married. I want to have a family, man. So I understand oh, wow. he want he wants to relax for a couple years. Yeah. But don't hit us with these epic masterpieces every four or five years. Yeah. Jump right into TV and get on a good streaming service where you can kind of just express yourself as much as possible and mm-hmm. and kind of kind of translate those screenplays to uh to to TV like like yep. a, like a like a like a, a ep- full episodes and mm-hmm. and I would love to see that rather than him focus so much energy on movies. Sure. Because, I mean, yeah. before we know it, man, we're all going to be old, man, and, and yeah. we're going to be waiting for all these movies in between, you know? And exactly. um, I think he should make that jump. But so my next question is, where do we rank before we give our top? Because remember I was talking to you. Uh, yep. And that this was so hard for me to do, to kind of rank my top Quinn Tarantino movies. I've always tried to do it in my head. I, I have to write it on a paper because it's so damn Yeah, I got hard. my list right here. Yeah. Yeah. So where does Once Upon a Time in Hollywood rank 
in the Quintinverse. So right now, out of uh, um, you know the ten films, I know that he just recently came out to Kill Bill one and two, or he looks at it as one film, which I can completely see that. Mm-hmm. But right now, it falls as my number six Quentin Tarantino film, kind of right in the middle of the pack, uh, right below, kind of you know uh, doesn't kind of get in that top tier with Pulp Fiction and some mm-hmm. of his other ones, but it's definitely I enjoyed it more than The Hateful Eight, The Death Proof, uh, Jackie Brown. So it's kind of right in the middle of the pack for me, number six right, right now. Okay, okay. So mine was a bit higher mm-hmm. so mine i'll just tell you right here it, it, it ranks number one for me number one it, it, it does it. rank number one because i used to watch those pulp fictions over and over again i think my yeah. heart is a for some reason i got a little more invested because this is based loosely on a, on a, on a true story right. as far as the times go and that's yep. another reason why i love django so much is because even mm-hmm. though it was very spaghetti it was very you know a, a lot of craziness going on it, it was a timepiece that for some reason that 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 trueness factor just mm-hmm. bumps it up so much a notch for me even gotcha. though some things are are, are are turned away. So my honor, right. honorable mention for number mm-hmm. uh, four would be Django Unchained. Just because it's definitely that's one of those. number four, too. Yeah, that's my number four. Oh, it was number your number four, too? Mm-hmm. Okay, Django. cool. Just because it was an overall fun, powerful uh, Django, you know, uh, uh, hopefully we get that Django. That's another thing, too, is the Django and Zora movie. Zoro, yeah. Yeah. The, the- Spinoff, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if that's going to be if you've heard if that's going to be like a, a, a straight to streaming or if that's going to be a major major motion picture thing or if I think that's... it's it's going straight to the theater. I think okay, they okay. have a, a writer and I think they have a director attached to it and he's going to be executive producing it and okay. have some input on it. But yeah, that would be really yeah. interesting to see how that film plays out. So that so that was a cool character rise that I that I loved mm-hmm. seeing. I loved his interaction with uh, with Christoph Waltz in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three for me would be was uh, Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. So That's Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction have always been a f- like it's always been that you know which one is better? Yeah. Even though you get a lot more going on, a lot more characters in Pulp Fiction, that one setting of Reservoir Dogs and of course him being his kind of like breakthrough movie mm-hmm. besides mm-hmm. like the true romance movie and stuff. Mm-hmm. This one, uh, something about Reservoir Dogs, it, the character development, the heist factor, uh, uh, the dynamic of it all, and in one setting. It, mm-hmm. it just left a very big impression in my mind, and then number two had to have been the Glorious Bastards for that whole factor of the of the it being true, uh, not not true true, but a more of a time period right. piece, and of yep. course you know um, the 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 fun interaction, and then uh, that is one of my most iconic scenes of all time the uh, the scene in the basement bar. You know, where, yep. where shit goes sideways. Yep, yep. When he would it three or three, what is it, three? Or yeah, he, ha- he, ha- he held up that, I guess. Yeah. Three. I guess it's supposed to be like this or whatever. Somebody, and I, I, think he, I think he did it like that or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, just those little subtle details, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, another one that was long and drawn out, but it was just mm-hmm. uh, 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 an, awesome, an awesome payout fi- film. And yep. then of uh, w- number one being Hollywood. You know, once upon a time in Hollywood and not because it's so fresh in my mind, but it's because it just I don't know. There was something about it that makes me want to just go out like today and watch it again and then even Mm -hmm. go back tomorrow and watch it again. And um, I think it was the whole he spent so many millions like revitalizing Hollywood. If you come out here today. It, That's what I would, yeah, you, I would you, imagine people in Hollywood just like, this is where I live. I go yeah. to work this way. I go to, you know, whatever, yeah. There's no way it looks like that. <laughs> like yeah. nowadays, everything looks so different. And I yeah. was really trying to pick it apart. Like, okay, I wonder if this building, if I could see this building, or if I could see this. And all the cars, all the people, everything looked 1969. 
Yeah, it's authentic. You know attention I mean? to detail. So, yeah. So I think I think that um, in itself, it was a different pace for sure. Made it mm-hmm. number made it number one for me. Gotcha. So and I know yeah. a lot of people are going to disagree with me, and they might not even be in their top three. It's your three. list. It's my, your list though, yeah, yeah, it might not even be in their top three, but I think for sure that was th- this was uh, the most uh, satisfying to me. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. so ending off, where does Quentin go from here? I know we kind of talked about it a little bit, but where does Quentin go from here? That's a great question, man. Again, I know he's he's really campaigning about doing this Star Trek and saying that it, it's a loophole that he really doesn't count it as a tenth film because mm-hmm. it's not. You know, we all know Quentin Tarantino does original stories and not he doesn't jump into franchises, so it wouldn't right. be a Quentin Tarantino type of IP. But if he does jump into Star Trek, which I'm not, I'll be up for. I'm not the biggest Star Trek. I'm not a Trekkie. I, I, yeah, I've only, I. literally I've only watched the J.J. Abrams. So that when mm-hmm. you brought that up earlier, I've, I enjoy those films except for the second one, but I like the first one yeah. like beyond uh what i can't think of the third one but i that's my only exposure to star trek i never watched the shows and all that so mm. it'll be interesting to see his take on a star trek and a rated r version of it and see how that goes but personally and especially the last couple of weeks it's been talked about i would love to see him do a kill bill uh three and, and kind of wrap up that story and see in a, a, an adult version of vanessa uh, vivica fox's daughter definitely and hell maybe have Maya Hawk, you know, Uma Thurman's real daughter make, I don't know, or make a cameo or be someone she fights in the film. That would be really cool yeah. to see. But I would love him to do uh, Kill Bill because that's actually my second favorite Quentin Tarantino film is Kill Bill Volume 1. I love that movie, the the martial arts, the, you know, the, 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 the stories are so great. So I would love to see him do a Kill Bill 3. If it is his swan song as mm-hmm. far as feature films, I would love that to be his next uh, movie. But then as we talked about, if he does go into TV, that would be great because he, we know him to be such a character uh focusing on his character's world building so being able to see like a 10 hour film of his focusing on these different characters or a timepiece would be really cool if he jumps into tv uh which i can ultimately see him doing that without a doubt later in his future yeah if i do if we do get if i do if we do get a kill bill three um i would mm-hmm. be satisfied with that being the 10th film mm-hmm. um even though kind of sequels i feel like People automatically jump to sequels as um, like a like a like a dumbed down like it, like that's an easy go to you know what I'm saying right that's an easy right. go to to this but I think that uh, one and two were so masterfully put together of course two is a little slower I mean you're focusing on the yeah. revenge factor of the remaining yeah. characters and of course her actually finally killing Bill so what yeah. happens in this the only thing that could possibly happen is you get the you know the older uh, daughter who we left off on uh, mm-hmm. could we get like a Gogo Yubari uh, maybe she had a sister that wants to get right. revenge I mean there's a, lot, there's a lot of family members that can come back and get revenge um, yeah so it's a lot of uh also too that just popped in my mind uh i was talking with a coworker that the final scene for once upon a time uh where we get you know the brutal killing of, of all the characters it reminded mm-hmm. me of kill bill 2 when uma thurman fights um uh, uh, uh the i forget what the patch with the one up one patch what's her name yeah um but her name's slipping right now but i know exactly what you're talking about yeah, yeah. that actress those close-up shots and then just the kind of sound effects the 
you know, just like, right. the, and then the smashing of the, you know, of different uh, body parts and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It mm-hmm. really was reminiscent of that, that, that scene where they're fighting in that tra- that small trailer. And, um, he's just masterful when it comes to piecing those together. But I would love to see a Kill Bill 3. If not, he's going to have to focus a lot of energy on creating something brand new. Something brand new. And, yeah. uh, but, but not to a, not to a point where like, look, this is my 10th film. The fans are going to want it. Cause I feel like he's never been one to, worry so much about what the fandom says he's just yeah. doing his own thing doing his thing yeah he doesn't give a shit really too much about the critics yeah. uh, i mean we see him going at the critics all the time so that, that's mm-hmm. not a problem so i think um him just kind of just letting loose and, and coming with an iconic either original or somewhere in the kill bill uh realm would be mm-hmm. satisfying to me yeah you i know? mean he's tackled everything so far westerns uh, you know, horror films and death proof to an extent, mm-hmm. uh, a war film, uh, a heist film, a comedy. So, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. he's touched on every genre, which is, again, goes to show just how versatile and how one of the, I mean, he's one of the greatest directors in my eyes of all time. So oh, I, sure. I, whatever he does next, I'm, I'm totally on board with it. And he, and I always say this, even his lower tier movies like death proof or Jackie yeah. Brown, uh, those are still, yeah. they're, they're still enjoyable. They're not bad films to me. Exactly. They're, exactly. they're, they're different. They're, they're for mm-hmm. a, different kind of audience sometimes and uh, mm-hmm. but i don't think that they're necessarily bad movies i think that they're just not up to par with the pulp fiction right. the reservoir dogs and and you know, glorious bastards and whatnot so yep. uh yeah i would love to see that transition and, and it's funny i gave it a 4.8 as well out of five mm-hmm. okay. yeah great minds think alike <laughs> yeah man definitely so before i let you go man is there anything new that you want to plug or anything uh that, that you know about your channel that we don't know about yeah. or, or let people know if they are new new watchers you know what you do on your channel on movie files yeah definitely man no i appreciate it uh so yeah we we do you know we talk about the latest movies whether it is on the big screen like we you know non-spoiler review of, of uh, once one time in hollywood we talk about tv i just did i just shot my review for big little lies on hbo so we talk about our favorite shows recently stranger things we will be doing a review for euphoria uh we react you know we try to react to the latest trailers as you know trailers drop at 6 a.m or they drop at 5 p.m it's so hard to keep up with them and then by the time it, you man. get home from work you're just like oh it's already a million different yeah. videos on it but you know we do the we try to react to the latest trailers and then we uh for just appreciation to a lot of our uh followers and subscribers we do unboxing videos and we tend to do giveaways too so we uh just did a uh, giveaway for shazam and we'll probably do one for uh uh in game too so we're all about you know just like your channel we, uh, we love talking movies and tv and we love you know the community that we built you know i was able fortunate enough to meet you and meet other awesome people in this community so we're all about having fun and positive uh conversations so definitely check us out at movie files and follow us on all of our social media accounts uh on twitter and on instagram and all that fun stuff yeah definitely i'm gonna put all your information down below as always it's movie files on instagram and it's a movie files live on twitter correct yes sir yeah yeah so we'll put all that down below guys so you guys can check him out so yeah it was fun talking this movie with you man and uh what's gonna be your next movie do you have one in your Um, queue that you're gonna be watching it's probably a film that's going to be ridiculous on every sense of the word, but I'm probably going to check out Hobbs and Shaw next week just because I'm a big rock fan. Growing up watching yep. him as a wrestler and transitioning to film has just been awesome to see. Uh, so that's probably next on the list. And then from there, uh, I really I can't think of anything else uh, outside of the horror film. You know, it super excited for it. Chapter two. I know you didn't really like the trailer. So I remember seeing your trailer reaction. <laughs> so, you, yeah. know, you know, what? with it, with it, chapter two, I think it's going to be a good movie. I just yeah. think the trailer wasn't uh, uh, well presented. 
Um, Did you see the, the runtime of the film they announced no. the other day? What is it? Two hours and 45 minutes. Longer than Once Upon a Time. <laughs> Two hours and 45 minutes. And I mean, right now, the, the very early screens have been nothing but great that they've okay. said. Because I think I'm really involved in the It world. This is going to be a very dark I'm one of the people that didn't think the first it was scary just because I grew up with horror films and it takes a lot to scare me. But I was yeah. very entertained by the, the come of age and the storylines of Bill oh, Skarsgård. Yeah. Awesome. But I legit think this will be a a fantastic horror film. It, it's going to get very dark. It's going to surprise a lot of people how oh, yeah. dark they're going to get in this film. Oh, yeah. I'm actually really excited for that one, too. Um, yeah. Despite my trailer reaction, it's just yeah. it comes down to the whole um, presentation of everything. I know it's going to be a phenomenal film because the, the teaser itself, I thought was a little bit better and kind of mm-hmm. creeped me out a little more. The first movie I thought was very, very scary. And even mm-hmm. though it was a little darker than the actual TV movie, uh, yeah. I, I grew up on that. Um, I thought it was actually well, obviously, I mean, times have changed. You know, CGI yep. gets better and, and all these, you know, editing skills get a lot better. And um, I thought that this was a, 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 a cooler follow-up than maybe like a remake like Pet Cemetery. I wasn't a fan yeah. of the Pet Cemetery, the newest one, as Ain't much it. as I was the original, even though that yeah. main, even though we talked about that, that main guy and a lot yeah. of that had a lot of its, you know, we had gripes with it and whatnot. But um, I think this Ed Chapter 2 needs to be the final nail in the coffin. I don't want them to do what Hollywood does. If it makes money, we're going to get multiple sequels. Um, yeah. Kind of like what they're doing with Halloween. God dang, man. Why oh, are yeah, they the doing back this? To back. Why hey, are man, they I, doing this, man? I, I, Come on. I, it's my favorite iconic slasher is Michael Myers. I take him over Jason, Freddy's, Ghostface, Leatherface, <laughs> all of them. I love Michael Myers. So the more, give me more, give me more. And I love that it's back-to-back years. Uh, okay. and, you know, Laurie Schroeder's back. So I'm excited for those news. I think that the franchise is in good hands. Yeah. I'm hoping they don't pull, uh, you know, Season of the Witch. and They just completely go off the rails. But mm-hmm. I, I have faith in uh, the director and uh, everyone involved. I'm very excited for Halloween come uh, the next two years. Okay. Okay, for sure. But, yeah, okay. my my, uh, my next movie actually is going to be Hobbs and Shaw, too. Gotcha. <laughs> so, I'm yeah, excited we, for it. Man. Yeah, we had reserved. Yeah, we had yeah. reserved our tickets for that. Uh, kind of knowing how bizarre it's going to be. It's exactly. going to be, you know, just kind of... I know leaving. what I'm getting into. Yeah. yeah. You, you already yeah. know what you're going to get yourself into. I think the audience yeah. score is going to be very high. I mean, yep. I, I, I showed you my uh, movie card. That's another thing, guys. If you guys go on his uh, Instagram, he does these movie cards. Is that what they're yeah. called? Postcards or movie cards? Uh, movie scorecards. Movie, yeah. movie scorecards where you can actually uh, predict uh, along with movie files, their predictions, and then just kind of like, what do you think the audience score is what do you what do you think how much money it's gonna make and whatnot it's mm-hmm. it's a real fun thing he does uh pretty much weekly right for, yeah, whenever for there's like movies. a big blockbuster film an yeah. avengers uh you know uh, spider-man a lion mm-hmm. king uh yeah. we'd like to have some fun and just kind of see what the you know what the film community thinks the film's going to do once yeah. it you know the first weekend at the box office yeah right and i don't know how you guys are able to predict so closely these weekly uh, movies that come out, it's, it's oh, almost yeah. like baffling. Like you guys need to go to Vegas and bet on some some sports or something, make some money because yours it's, are it's they're so close. <laughs> yeah, it's something. I, in college, I actually had a, a course that was uh, not necessarily box office focused, but like how producers think about their films and how they're going to market it. So that was mm-hmm. one of the things that we talked about in that class was like every week we used to do box office predictions and we used to do like, okay, based on – you know, this horror film, what did The Conjuring do versus, you know, another. So it's something that I love doing week to week and I have so much fun doing predictions. And uh, it's well, something that I have a 
a lot of fun with every week. Well, you guys are good at, at what you do. I love your channel. You guys need to keep it up. Keep knocking out as much content as you can. Who cares if the trailer yeah. reactions are late? Just keep doing them every day if you right, guys right, right. can. I mean, that's that's a, that's like a mantra I've been knocking in my head. Even if yeah. it's late, just do it. I mean, more con- it out there. Yeah. more content, the better, man, as, as much as you guys can. Just talk movies. And, yeah, I mean, uh, this community has, has led me to meet you you guys and, and then other people that like to talk movies. And, mm-hmm. you know, I understand there's certain people that don't know how to talk movies too well or they get a little bit too passionate and they kind of – I see it in my comments all the time. People are trying to come at me like – you know, for yeah. so you got to kind of uh, differentiate logic and 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 uh, and uh, it, just leave it a, a movie. You know what I mean? Don't get right. so passionate. But I'm glad we can talk logically and have our differences of opinion if we even have yes, some. You know, sometimes. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I'm gonna leave all of Elliot's information down below for Movie Files, guys. And of course, my information is down below. And if you guys did like this spoiler review and watch it in its entirety, almost an hour, please give it a thumbs up and uh, let us know what we can do better. If you guys didn't like it, in the comments below and. Make sure you guys are subscribing to always get notified about content like this. Hit that bell notification, too, if you guys can. All right. Till next time, Elliot and I are gone. Peace.